You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcasts here. We got more to talk about your New Orleans Pelicans, and we've got another great guest for Monday's show here, Gus Kattengill of the Sports Hangover on ESPN 100.3, the Pelicans' flagship station. He hosts the show from 12 to 3. You can follow him on Twitter. It's at uh, G-K-A-T-T underscore 17. We're just going to dive into it. We're going to chat Pelicans, all things going on with the team, particularly looking at the front office, how they're building this from the ground up, which is great and hopefully going to make it sustainable. Then in the third and final segment of the show, we're going to talk about some news going on with the team. There have been a few moves made on the coaching staff with two-way players, and we have another official signing, so we'll get that all out of the way last. So let's dive into it in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Joining me now on Locked On Pelicans, I get to turn the tables on this guy. I've got Gus Kattengill of the Sports Hangover on ESPN Radio here in New Orleans, 100.3 FM. Gus, thanks for coming on with me. Man, an absolute pleasure, man. Uh, the, the work you've done, dude, the last couple of years, you've become the authority when it comes to Pelicans podcast. I mean, I, I'm not just saying that because I want you to come on the show later this week, but <laughs> no, I, I sincerely mean that. It really is an honor, man. Seriously. No, it's fun. I've been, I have time over the summer to bring on guests. So like you were high <laughs> on my list because I've gone on your show uh-huh. so many times too. And again, it's kind of fun to like turn the tables and interview you here. But it, I don't know. <laughs> It's been interesting the past couple of just months in general. You know, you've got your 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 finger on the pulse of this fan mm-hmm. base doing a daily show. It's never been like this in terms of Pell's coverage, has it? It really hasn't. And it's taken such a, um, you know, in this day and age where like reality TV shows, and I say this day and age, you know, the last several years, it's funny what the Hills came back, Beverly Hills 90210 was coming back in a reboot as well. So it's it's kind of, you know, getting um just the whole sense and feel of what reality tv has been the last several years does it not feel that since really january it's been one reality tv show after another i mean it's like every day jake it's um you know if ad posts something about his jersey we got to comment on it you know this weekend it's uh you know like hey i i'm not ruling out playing for chicago and then there's comments under that there he is he can't even commit to the lakers i mean it's just it is. It's like a reality TV show. It's incredible. I mean, people on this side, Pelican fans, are following it so they can comment and say, see, I told you so. People on the Lakers side are commenting saying, see, this is why he came here. Then you have him kind of doing what he does. Then you have the Pels doing what they're doing with the excitement level. It's insane, man. I mean, I for 20 years this August will be since I started in the field and in this business at WWL. It was Friday the 13th, August 13th, uh, Friday the 13th, 1999. And I cannot recall a six-month period of stretch, much less an upcoming fall, that remotely resembles, whether it's excitement, whether it's interest, um, 
that that we're about to experience. It's just, I mean, name a storyline, any storyline. Uh, when we bring you on our show, we, we've talked about this in the past. It's incredible. Normally, you have two weeks, three weeks. You're breaking down OTAs, minicamp. You're, you're trying to talk about what Saints quarterbacks have the most interceptions. And yet, basketball has been the topic and the talk. So all of a sudden, you look at when the two weekends ago ended and you have the guys being introduced last Monday, you got about 10 days left until the start of training camp. I, I can't remember a summer or spring like this where there's legit, you're not fabricating interest. It's legit interest and excitement. I mean, I, I'm dumbfounded, man. It's fun. It's fun for what we do now. No, but it, you, you make a really good point. Like, we're never talking about the Pelicans this late in the summer. Like, we're on to something else. Everyone's curious about the backup quarterback for the Saints at this point. Yeah. And that is <laughs> – it's like that's more intriguing than anything going on with New Orleans because they would have been quiet in free agency. They wouldn't have had any draft picks to draft anybody. Summer League we in, get intrigued by, but in hopes of a guy like Trevon Blewett last year – outplaying summer league and maybe he can be a contributor to new Orleans, but we're just talking mm-hmm. ourselves into something that was never going to happen in the first place. So it's kind of wild just to see the shift in it. And I'm sure you see it though, doing the show where I, you know, you, if you had put, talked pals, you know, last week, next week, people turn off the radio and go into something else. Don't they? Uh, 100%. And I think, you know, obviously we're focused on what the Pelicans are doing in, I'm sure you've had, and I've listened to all the podcasts, man, and you guys do. It's just it's incredible about what David Griffin's been able to do. I mean, you could write a book, honestly, <laughs> what happens if, if the eventual success takes place. And just in that quick snapshot, I, I've used in the last two weeks, not if, but when. I, I legitimately feel that. And when I mean that if, but when, I'm talking about adding a Larry O'Brien trophy next to the Vince Lombardi in that lobby area when you walk in over there on airline drive i legitimately feel that way whether or not it happens you got to win games you got to win the best of seven you got to you got to actually do it and i know it's very difficult to do but it's for the first time since they've moved here and i remember that night like it was nothing you know what i mean like like yesterday man the, the tip off and having baron davis and jamal mcglore the big cat and mass bird and you know, Bryce, I mean, I, I remember all of that. The Dan Dick holiday. I'm not, I've never felt like, okay, if, but when. It, it was nice. I'd be like, okay, maybe the playoff team. Um, the Chris Paul, hey, this could be fun. And then they went Bonzi Wells and destroyed the team that played above the rim and made it from one of the youngest to one of the oldest. They had ownership. Then the NBA has to buy your franchise for moving them. And you just never had a sense of, well, look, the steps are in place and you feel like, you have an opportunity. Um, and we talk about it on the other side of the parking lot all the time. The Saints aren't guaranteed a Super Bowl. We've seen the last two years. They've been in position to put themselves in play for one. And that's all you want. I think that's what fans want. I think that's what players want. That's what an organization wants. You're looking at this fall for the Saints as a team that has a potential to go to a Super Bowl, like legit, right? I mean, you're you're looking yeah. at the roster, you're looking at the draft picks, you're looking at the moves, you're going their steps, their run right. Uh, you, I mean, you're, you're worried about health. That's it, because you think the team is good enough to compete. You've never been able to say that about New Orleans basketball team. And I think what's remarkable is we've not played a game, we haven't had a practice, 
We haven't even had the full team together for a picture. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, you've introduced the, the, the draft class separately from the free agent class that's separate. You have not had them in the building all at once yet. Still, I feel confident enough to be able to not sound like a complete buffoon and go, hey, I think if not when. And again, so, I don't know when that is. That's six, ten years from now? I don't know, but I do feel that, don't you, Jay? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's it, – I caution it a little bit more maybe because I feel right. like a, it, it's like deja vu. It's like we've been here. We've been excited about AD and others. But it's right. – I think a lot of the feeling though, and I'm curious to see where you think maybe what the mm-hmm. predominant reason for it is, is that it's – they're building a more sustainable culture, whether that's the type of drafting right. that they did, the investments in the infrastructure. Is there anything in particular yep. that jumps is. out to you? And that's what it is. Uh, um, that's where I would go. It, it's not even just the player base. Because it's interesting. You just brought it up. You said, well, did we feel that way with AD? We sort of did. It was a player. We hoped that AD could fault us and take us there and stuff like that. But even still that, what did we see in that time, man? We saw... Um, they couldn't put it around my, my, him. Boom. And then we saw, you know, Monty Williams. You had people now saying you should have never fired him. But the time to let him go, it was, oh, maybe just can't take us to the next level. And then Alvin Jackson comes to play. Well, time to get rid of him. So you've never felt, and, and even with whether it's the general managers, the ones before them, from Bauer to Dems, you name it, you just never felt like, hey, they all kind of got it working together. Um, you know, you, you just kind of had that sense. And, and, and you, you know this from covering the team and being there. Um, is it being looked at the same? Is it being discussed the same? We've all either done podcasts, done talk shows, written stories, some of the local writers, as to how it's not being treated like you would treat the Saints. And I go back to my conversation with Dennis Lausha when I brought up what I thought he and Gail Benson said at the March owners meetings, to me, needs to be put on a plaque at the facility because I think that was the day that the awakening was verbalized. I think the awakening happened in January when a normal person would go, who walks away from 240 million guaranteed? Yeah. And it's just a, so I think that happened, but it was verbalized in March. So when you hear Gil Benson says that, what was it? She was a steward Jake of the franchises and she's just here to make sure they're here long-term, both franchises. But it was Dennis Lausha saying, that there was a sense of urgency, that there's a sense of dread almost for the Saints. Like, you can't lose. When you talk Saints football, Jake, you know this in the city, right? I mean, talk shows in the evenings to the mornings, it's, it's there. Saints fans know the fourth string long snapper that won't make it past the first cut. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> people, there's a sense of urgency when it comes to Saints football. And that urgency is you better win, and it's time for the playoffs, it's, and you've never had it. So when you have the team president verbalize it, that that same sense of energy, that same sense of urgency, that same sense of we have to invest in it, that's something we've never had. That's why I guess I, I feel that way, because you've seen it financially. You've seen it invest in the people. I mean, the same the last couple of years, they were the first teams to have virtual reality type practices where players could put, you know, VR units and 
relive the video from practice. They could reach. I mean, they they have invested money in like advanced tech to help the football team. That never happened with hoops. So now you have the team president say, "Hey, that's what we have to do." That's why I'm excited. Again, if but not when refers to me the opportunity to. Not necessarily. I think maybe the trophy eventually happens. I think it could, but it's the opportunity to put yourself in place to do so. And I think what's exciting is you look at this offseason, Jay, and everyone has a whole new reset, renewed sense of hope about the NBA, right? It's, hey, a handful of teams have two good players, and, and let's go at it and see what happens. You don't have that at the start of the season. It's one or two teams just get to June and play the finals. It's Cavs and Warriors or it's Warriors and whatever. I don't get that set. So I think when you look at the future, it's exciting to see where this team can build and go. And, and I think it's a combination of where the NBA is, where it can go, and more importantly, what the Pelicans have realized it's time to do, and that's invest. Yeah, it's it's really a, just a get serious about this and run this as it should be. And as much as people may hate Anthony Davis, what he did yeah. and the way he did it probably sent a bit of that wake-up call too. And if he does this the way we'd all have liked him to do it, wait till after the season, go about it quietly, well, you might still have Dell Demps here. You might not have yeah. had a first-round pick that eventually became the number one overall pick. And in a way, it's just sometimes you need – you know, you have to hit rock bottom yeah. to have that wake-up call. And it seems that what went on with AD was that rock bottom for this team to just kind of, I don't know, modernize it or get it to where it should be. It's incredible when you think of the games that we were looking back in the day of kind of barometer games, how good are the Pelicans? The Rockets are one of those, right? So yeah. you think of that game at the Smoothie King Center, Jake, and the Pels are about to, you know, they're trying to hold on and beat the Rockets. I mean, the crowd's pumped. There it is. Boogie misses the free throw, goes out, tries to get the rebound, blows his Achilles. What happens if he doesn't? Like, I yeah. talked about that a ton of my show and, and when you come on as a guest. If he doesn't blow his Achilles, they're going to give them the max. Like, everyone assumed, and I mean, that's right. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, oh, no, it, they, they I mean, 100% were going to. Okay, so he's max. Does AD leave with him max? And then does he ask for a trade, or does it start? Does he stay here? What kind of team is it? I don't know, but you can make the case an argument. Maybe Alvin Gentry in here. Del Depp's maybe yeah. here. Who knows, right? And the reason I bring up Gentry and Depp's because whether we like it, and when I say we, I'm talking to the fans or media that have questioned whether or not Alvin's the guy or not. It doesn't matter. David Griffin likes it. Period. End of story. So it's sort of like when people uh, question Sean Payton and stuff, wait, you, you trust everything else he does. So when Sean says something, you, you tend to give the benefit of the doubt. So when you look at all the moves that David Griffin has done, and I still get phone calls, and it's like, well, I just don't trust Alvin. I, I still don't think it's the right coach. Hey. He's told you numerous times in the last two months, alone in the last three press conferences. He's building the team around his philosophy. He's building the team around him. He said it was a no-brainer to retain. My point being is he doesn't think anybody but him is the guy that he wants yeah, to coach no, you're right. this team. So when you look at it from that perspective, that's what's incredible to me. Because what if Dell Demps goes, okay, we gave the match to Boogie, 
We get, you know, AD signs the ex- what if he signed the extension and, and he's here? And they both go, that's not the type of offense and coach we need. Then Alvin's gone. I mean, it's incredible how the Achilles tear and then the decision or the request in January have affected it because I'm with you. Um, it can be fun from a reality TV standpoint and, you know, just kind of a banter at the bar or, or on a talk show about AD. I got no way it will, man, because there's no awakening if he doesn't request the trade. And I think long-term and remarkably because of one hire, even short-term, they're going to be better off. I, you didn't have this excitement. You didn't have this hope. You did have, as you talked about, some of the steps and processes you're seeing, investment in the facility, investment in people. You've become an organization that people joked and said you wouldn't want to be a part of to by the hires of Langdon and Swin Cash, an organization that is preaching diversity. It's showing, hey, if you're bright and you're dedicated, you want to come up and, and, and make your place in the NBA, maybe we're the organization for you. You're now attracting Probably people want to go, man, they got the top or one of the top in, you know, when it comes to fitness and, and getting players ready to go. Look at the hires in the front office where there's women, there's minorities. It's like, hey, this is where I want to go. That It's incredible when you think of how it's been changed in that amount of time by one request to one Achilles tear. Yeah, it's it's just how, how this team's gone, you know, a complete 180 basically in a year, year and a half, and it's pretty wild. So going to be back with Gus in a second here uh, to talk a little bit more on-court stuff about your New Orleans Pelicans before I get to that. Of course, subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast here Monday through Friday with you all covering everything you want to know about this team. So wherever you get your podcast from, just search Locked On Pelicans. So on with Gus Kattengill, host of the Sports Hangover 12 to 3 on ESPN Radio 100.3 FM. You can give him a follow on Twitter. It's at GCAT, K-A-T-T underscore 17. So Gus, David Griffin's talked a lot about Drew Holiday and it's his mm-hmm. team. Is this partially to take the pressure off Zion Williamson or is it also because he really does feel he can unleash Drew Holiday in the NBA next season? Man, I think it's a combination of a handful of things, and all it's mastermindful. I don't know if that's a word. I just might have made it up. <laughs> it counts. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Look, David Griffin um, is doing a, a couple of things at once. He's empowering a guy that, you know what, I, I think earned so much respect, man, last year. I mean, he got AD making what he wants to do, his decision. And then he's the one that comes out and talks about his, his, you know, his team and his situation and talks fast, but then takes the team on his back. Jake, he, he was there. I mean, to hear in that first week post-trade request, the amount of players on the team say, this is Drew's team. Drew's putting this on his back. Drew says, let's go out there and fight. Well, I listened to that, and I, I, what I get out of that is, well, then there was something obviously said in the locker room. There was something obviously said behind closed doors by yeah. him, right, for you to feel that. So he took ownership, and then you go after that, and then post higher, and it's him going, I want this team. He said it in, in the last pressure that he had when the AD was, you know, warming enough to give him his jersey, an autographed jersey. <laughs> he was walking out during his interview session. I'm like, wow. So – my point, though, is he wants that. So 
what does Griffin do? He empowers me. He says, it's yours. You are the guy. You've earned it. You are that good. He taps into what we see and what we've touched on and you have in your podcast and as guests in different shows around the country, man. The fact that he's maybe overlooked, that he's maybe not talked as highly about as, as other players. So you're, you're tapping into that chip on that shoulder. You're going, hey, look, everyone says, great, you're fighting somebody you recognize as a two-way player. You know what? You're an MVP. You just empower that player and motivate them and say, hey, do it. It's yours. So from that standpoint, you got a player that already took ownership of the franchise and took ownership of the locker room and, and wants to do that, and he just heard from the number one guy, do it. It's What do you mean? Go ahead. Run the team. You're the guy whose voice is going to be heard in the locker room. You're the guy who I want the ball in that. You do it. And it's perfect from so many aspects of it like this. You're bringing in a young team. A lot of focus is on Zion, but you're taking a little focus on that and going, Zion, you ain't got to be where you would normally be the team that takes you number one overall, where you probably would have nothing. So you got to be the guy, the, the ticket seller, the guy who scores the most points on a single night. Jake, you do a great job of breaking down games. Do you think Zion has to be the number one point scorer and rebounder and shot blocker in his team? Doesn't have to be, does he? No, and I think that's huge, and I think it's big for yeah. his development. We saw in that, that nine minutes, ten seconds that he played in Summer League that he's going to have right. some issues in the NBA next year. Mm-hmm. He can score mm-hmm. down low. He can rebound. He's very strong, looks like a, you know, a man among boys out there. But the shot's going to take a lot of work. And if you throw all of that pressure on him too early and he doesn't mm-hmm. succeed, and he might not because rookies often don't, and it's okay that right. it, it, that the lack of confidence carries through. Look at a guy like Lonzo Ball, who we all probably have very high hopes for. He doesn't attack the basket at all because he's scared of going to the free throw line because he can't shoot there. That's a huge confidence thing. And sometimes it means just you don't want to throw those guys into the fire too early. And you mentioned Lonzo, and that's where I'm going next. So step one, by empowering Drew and saying hey, it's your team, uh, and then surrounding him by veterans, even though they're young, Ingram, Hart, and Ball, still veterans, got crafty, savvy, good, proven veterans in favors and Reddick, Zion can just go be Zion. Okay, So and you tell Drew, hey, your team, go run it. So Zion has to come this locker room and, be the face of the franchise and team leader, he'll get to that, just like AD did. It took him a while to sort of be that guy. And I don't know if he was in that comfortable, but he can just go be him. He can actually play off of others, which I think is beautiful from that aspect of it. And we can't forget that Ball, Ingram, and Hart are young players. And they're looking for fresh starts. I think it was so eye-opening on Monday to hear Josh Hart say, I called David Griffin and said, please don't trade me. So, you have a guy in Drew Holiday that could have – I mean, there's value for Drew Holiday. Oh, there's tons. There's tons said, around the league. The, <laughs> yeah, the Clippers I mean, called the Pelicans looking to bring him in to pair alongside Kawhi Leonard. Like That's a huge compliment if yeah, Kawhi Leonard would have signed with the Clippers if Drew Holiday was there. like That's a tremendous yeah. compliment. That, that's a big a pat on the back as you can get, which maybe is why David Griffin goes, you're an MVP candidate. If a guy that is like that – feels that way well then you're that guy so now you put him in the situation to go with my team so lots of the ball don't have to feel like magic said you know your jersey's gonna be hanging from the rafters brandon ingram you're top five lottery pick why are you not taking over a team right 
Derek Favors, again, tapping on chips on the shoulder. All you've been is a guy that's busted your butt, but you know what? The team that you always been with, eh, not, not good enough. You're in trade talk. Uh-uh, not yet. You're a starter. You're the guy. We, we want you to tap into, as Kristen said, untapped offensive potential. So I think it's just been masterful. I mean, it's, he's, he's grabbing players that have something to prove that want to do that and have some experience on the court, have minutes under their belts. And it's crazy because you and I could legitimately on a podcast for a guest appearance on my show talk about pretty much every other aspect. We haven't got to the rookies. We haven't got to some of the other picks or, or acquisitions before we even get to Zion. Think of that. When you have to actually get back to the number one overall pick that dominated college basketball, yeah. that's why there's excitement, right? Because, I mean, if you're New York, you're Cleveland, you're going to Zion and there's nothing else. I mean, like, that's what you're thinking. And I think that's what's been so masterful about this, is that Drew is your team. Uh, Ingram, ball and heart. Don't be the guys that you want to go prove that you can do it. Favors, no one's believed in you. I do. Reddick, do what you do. Just light it up from the outside. Zion, you see a loose ball, you see a lane, you see a pathway, go break the rim. Done. I mean, it just, we haven't even got to the rookies. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm excited, man. Yeah, and those rookies are part of it, though, too. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes, even Didi Silva looked really good in summer league. Do you think they're contributing to this uh, team next year right away? Is it going to take a little bit? If they're going to take Zion slowly, you kind of have to figure that these guys are going to come along slowly, too. Here's the interesting thing that I'm going to be interested when I get to, or you or any of us, get to talk to Dalvin Gentry again, because by the time we do, this is all being discussed. But you wonder... If going into um, summer league, it was the normal, what you would expect situation of in you know incorporating young new players, and it's the Jake quote trying to find minutes for him, right? What role can they sort of be? You can go that route um, of, of trying to find them some minutes. I'm watching the games though, and I wonder, you know. I just keep going back to what I keep hearing, David Griffin. One of the easiest ways to analyze the Saints is to understand and just listen to what Sean Payton tells you. He tells you what he's going to do. You may not yeah. sometimes get it, but you know sometimes it's coded. But he's telling you what he's doing. David Griffin continually refers to the Suns. He refers to that Suns team over and over again. He refers to how they were a squad that really sort of changed how the NBA was sort of played. And then the beauty of it, when he was on our Wednesday show, when we announced to be the flagship, he said, then the rest of the NBA caught up and did it better than us. I love that he learned from failure. We talked after our interview and he said, we were joking. I'm like, then you remember when I had you on my show. I'm like, I want the Lakers first. He's like, you know what? I mean, the the best teams, the first 10 games. And I want our butts handed to us because that's how we're going to learn. When you have the number one guy, in basketball on that franchise want you to learn through failure, that says a lot to me because that's how you learn, Jake, right? I mean, when you're doing your podcast, I'm doing my show, you figure out what works and what doesn't. Trial and <laughs> yeah, like the, like the first know? six months here. <laughs> right, trial and error. But 
you can't be discouraged. It, it makes you it makes you want to do better. I love hearing that. It's it's no fear. It's not having the fear, and and also it also tells you he knows it's a process, and that's what's been missing, right? Because the last couple of years, every move you make, every hire, every acquisition, every move you do is so a d doesn't leave you. He's gone. He's gone, and now you can build from scratch and do that. And I think that's what's remarkable from that aspect of it is that you can now just wait. You can be patient. You can do it. But back to my original point, he's referencing that Sun team over and over and over again. And if you remember that, what the Mob Squad, a couple of other teams that I had, you and I on our show talked repeatedly. Uh, one of the things the Warriors are so good at, you've got that starting unit. When they go sit down, Steph Curry spends most of the game twirling his towel, chewing his mouthpiece, and cheering for the bench players that either keep the lead or extend the lead, right? Jamal yeah. McGee would come in for three to five minutes of hell. I mean, so I look at what the Pels have and go, okay, instead of trying to go with the philosophy of let's find a minute, how about we say this is what y'all going to do for year one. Nikhil Alexander, you look at Jackson Hayes, maybe you grab some of the other guys like, um, um, you know, that, that, that kind of maybe fit in that mold in Master as well. Even Frank, you know, if you want to throw that in there with Jackson uh, and Kendrick Williams. Okay, so this is your year. Call yourselves something. You know, I, I've been calling them the baby birds or, or whatever, the Rim Reapers. You're going to have. Oh, that's a good one. 13, I like that one. 13 to 15 minutes a game. Okay. And you're going to have 13 to 15 minutes a game. And it's going to be spread in maybe three or four different spots at three to five minutes. But when you get out there, I want you to literally electrify the cloud. Just go out there. Ball out. I mean, dunk, steal, dive on it. You got, you got 13 to 15 minutes a night. This is what you got. So go create your own identity, man. We can sell your shirts. You can be, that's your identity. You're one group, one unit. And I think if you do that, then all of a sudden practice is, hey, go beat the starters. You're one unit. You hang out together. You eat together. You become one unit, man. Now all of a sudden, you almost got two squads. You know, instead of I, I got to get six minutes for Hayes, let me get three or four minutes for Alexander. Dude, sub them in together. I mean, just, I, that's what I would do. Like sub them in, you know, and and have the crowd come in. You know, do a, a handshake when you sub in with all five or four at once, <laughs> and, and then the crowd gets going. And I'm just saying, right? All of a sudden, you're, you're not a bit. You don't feel like a bench player, Jake. Does that make sense? You don't feel like yeah, there's no place for me. You there, there's know a heightened you pull role up to the arena, right? You know when you pull up to the arena, you know what you got going that night. It, it's to electrify the crowd. I got 13 to 15 minutes. I'm not just going to sit there because of you know the matchups of the opponents. No, 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 no. They have to match up against us because when we sub in, I'm dunking on someone. I'm getting the. I mean, that's what I love. Like. That's how I'd approach it. And I think when you watch Summer League, I, I don't know how you don't, to be honest. No, they were impressive. And David Griffin said on the broadcast that it's going to maybe make them reevaluate what their original plan was for this team. So there's yeah. a good chance you're going to see exactly that. So <laughs> I don't I don't want to keep you too long today, Gus, but anything mm-hmm. new since you are the flagship station of the Pelicans now, ESPN Radio 100.3, any potential new things on the station coming now with the Pelicans? I, there is definitely a bunch. As a matter of fact, this week I'm going to be meeting with uh, the new voice, the graph, Todd Graffini, Daniel Sellers, and uh, we're going to have some dinner, brainstorm, come up with a ton of ideas. 
as to how we can we can do a lot of things and incorporate. It's one of the beauties of being a flagship, not just my show from 12 to 3, but whether it's off the bench with T-Bob. I know you go on there a ton. T-Bob's a huge Bells fan. Huge, uh, yes. You know, Matt Moscona from 3 to 6. You have three shows now, whether it's Baton Rouge and New Orleans, that are going to be able to incorporate players, coaches, what have you. But also the beauty of it is maybe three games, right? You never know. I mean, we're, we're, do, we're do an hour. So instead of two minutes here or there, whether it's local, whether it's network, um, whether it's you, me, Jake coming up at 6 or 6.30 <laughs> from the arena. But that's the beauty. I, I, I haven't had that ability before, right? Because if you're not that station, you can't do a show from the arena. I can do it in the concourse, man. And I'm going to go find a nice recliner or a nice comfy spot. And Right? When people are walking in, we can do a pregame show there now that we've never been able to do. Um, so that's interesting. I, I'm thinking of things like something called like take flight. Uh, we're going to probably incorporate one or two shows during the week that's focused on the Pels, not only from the Pels network that will come from Daniel and Todd or coaches shows, um, but also just us alone kind of focusing on the NBA overall in storylines. It, it's simple. I think education is the key. The more fans know about the rest of the league, they're going to know and want to know more about their team. So, um, we're definitely talking about that. We have a, a handful of ideas. It's literally about now getting together, sitting down, and and, uh, and making it work. But that, I can promise you from being in each and every one of the meetings that led to us becoming the flagship, that's what they want. That's why they selected us. And that's what we wanted first and foremost. So it's a rebranding element aspect of it. You're going to see it in our shirts, our banners. You're going to see Pelicans Radio Network everywhere that there's ESP in New Orleans. So whether it's my collared polo shirt at remotes, you'll see it on the sleeve or on the, on the chest pocket. You'll see it in our banners. I'm trying to get a vehicle, Jake. You're going to get the Pelicans Mobile? Yeah. So, I mean, it, I'm excited, man, because like I said, this is not just – this is a five-year vision and plan. So we are – I'm excited because it's, it's going to open up the doors for a lot of different people to get the coverage in and, and do it. I think it's fun and exciting. Man. I'm, I, like, I can't wait for three years from now. I, I know it's a process. It's going to be some tinkering. But what is this team going to be like in three years, you know? Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm happy to hear that there's more coming from you. You've been one of the guys who's covered this team even when they were bad, pre-AD era and <laughs> all of that. Like, uh, you know, you've had – you've been – talking Pelicans Hornets on the show when no one else was doing it. So I'm happy to hear that. Um, and that's going to be awesome. So Gus, thanks so much for coming on the show with me today. Dude. I mean, it, I mean, it, it's like, it's an honor, dude. I, I love, uh, I love everything you've done and everything. And it's real simple. Anytime I can, I can be on with you, then I must be doing something right. Cause I think you're, <laughs> you're the dude, man. You're the guy. Plus uh, you got a great look. I love the fedora. Can you pull off a hat? I can't do any of that. You got the beard. I can't grow that. So, there's a lot. There's a lot to you, man. That I that I'm impressed with. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Gus. <laughs> As always, man. Thank you, Jake. So big thanks to Gus for coming on. Always fun to turn the tables on these guys after I go on their radio and TV shows for so long. And of course, don't forget, subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast here Monday through Friday with y'all, bringing you everything you want to know about this team wherever you get your podcast from. Just search Locked On Pelicans.
So we're going to do this really quickly because I've gone a little bit long on the show today, but some news to say the Pelicans made it official that they have re-signed uh, Darius Miller to that two-year deal. Second year is a team option, so it's a one-year deal likely being used as trade weight by giving him a bit of a bloated salary. Other big news for the Pelicans is that Mike Penber, uh, Mike Penberthy, who's been the shooting coach on the team the past couple of years, going to the Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers. This makes some sense given that the bench was getting a little bit crowded for New Orleans. They have made an offer to Jeff Bizdelic, and as Andrew Lopez said on Friday's show, that they were likely going to be able to get that deal done. They also brought back Jamel McMillan to the team, so you maybe needed to lose one or two guys. We know Darren Ehrman was out, and now it seems Mike Penberthy is going back to the Lakers, where he played for, by the way, in uh, in the 2001 season, winning a title there. So, sad to see him go, but oh well. And then the biggest news being that guard Josh Gray has signed a two-way deal with the New Orleans Pelicans. If that name is familiar, former LSU guy, which is pretty cool. So he's coming here now to New Orleans to be on a two-way deal, play with the Erie Bayhawks, and then have some uh, NBA time with it. Most recently was with the Brooklyn Nets in Summer League, averaged 12 points, 4.3 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.3 steals in under 24 minutes worth of action. Pretty good overall. He had a very good summer league. He's 25. That's not necessarily going to make you the most sought-after prospect. But on a two-way to get a local guy, maybe not too bad. He played with the Suns in 2017-2018, averaged 6.4 points, 2.4 assists, and 1.6 steals. Did that in five games, playing a little over 17 minutes worth of action. So he's here on a two-way, filling both two-way spots alongside Zylan Chatham. And that's the news for the Pelicans, so we'll wrap it up there so thank you all for listening as always i'm your host jake madison at nola jake on twitter and i'll be back with you all tomorrow